0: Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything.
1: My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about
0: the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. Today we are chatting about the idea that everyone is a theologian. We'll talk about what theology is, why it matters, and we'll even share some personal stories about the impact theology has had on our own lives. We'll talk about the best place to find good theology, the Bible, and discuss how you can engage in theology, even if you have never even thought about it before. Come on in and join our conversation. Hello, everyone. It's Joanna here. Uh, Welcome and thank you so much for joining us today on our very first full-length podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie. Hello, friends. And today we're going to be talking a lot about theology, but we don't want that to scare you. What we want you to know is that theology is for you. In fact, theology is for everyone. R.C. Sproul says that everyone is a theologian, and you may not have thought of yourself as a theologian before, but we want to talk about what that means today in this episode. So when you think of theology, you might have lots of ideas that come into your head. Maybe you think of seminary students at a university, or maybe you think of your pastor. Or maybe you just think of those paintings of these old guys with long beards that you see in church history books and things like that. But we want to let you know that that really isn't what we're talking about when we are talking about theology. So Stephanie's going to give us a little lowdown on what theology actually is.
1: Okay, so the best way or the easiest way to think about it is theology literally is the study of God. And when we talk about Christian theology, this includes the study of what God has revealed about himself in his word. Um, Another definition that I really like on theology is theology is what we think God thinks about something.
0: Mm, That's good.
1: And the goal of theology is the knowledge of God, but not just knowledge. I recently read an article, which I will share in our show notes, that had a really good quote in it. And if you stick around on this podcast, you'll know that a simple joy of mine is to just share really good quotes that I come across. (laughs) So it said, knowledge of God without devotion is dead orthodoxy, but devotion without knowledge is irrational stability.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. So we want to couple our knowledge with devotion and love, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that later in this episode. But I wanted to touch on what you said, Joanna, about everyone being a theologian. Yeah. Because I remember the first time that a pastor said that, I was like, wait, hold on, I'm not a theologian.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't know that I was.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm the science person, the academic. My husband's the one that went to seminary. Like, he he's probably a theologian, but I'm not. Like, I'm just I'm just me and the nurse and the public health person. So, yeah, I was really surprised. But that kind of triggered a desire to, you know, say, okay, what is that about then? And if I am a theologian, like, am I a good one or a bad one? Or um, mm-hmm. So basically, I'm so excited about this episode and talking um, because it's really true. Everything we do is theological, whether that is um, based on implicit or explicit theology. And a good way to um, understand this, I guess, is over Christmas, I was talking with a family member that's not a believer, and she had an opinion on Jesus and God and all of these things, but she's not a believer. But I realized that technically she was engaging in theology. She had yeah. an opinion about Jesus and God, so that was her theology. Yeah, yeah, so it's not just for pastors or seminary students. Our theology is what we believe about, about God, and we really want to do theology well, because you're either going to be a good theologian or a bad theologian.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, it's so interesting because even if we don't think that we even have certain beliefs about God, right, it shows up in the decisions that we make and in the way that we look at the world and that we respond to things like tragedy. And so, yeah, it is so important what we believe about God. Our theology really, really does matter, and now I do want to say here just a little bit of a caution. We don't want to study theology uh, just to like make ourselves look really smart, <laughs> or we also don't want to study theology just for the sake of knowledge, right? Knowledge for the sake of knowledge is really not going to be helpful for us here. But we want to make sure that we are seeking knowledge of God for the sake of loving Him and knowing Him and drawing closer to Him. So I know for myself, you know, when I first started to realize that I am a theologian, I actually got really excited and wanted to learn about who God is out of love for Him. But, you know, it didn't take long before my pride kind of came into play. And quickly, I found that I was studying theology in order to look smart, or even like in order to feel like I was a really good Christian, and to make myself look good in the eyes of other people, or even look good in the eyes of God. And you know what happened is that the joy went away. As soon as it became all about me instead of being all about God— my joy in learning about him disappeared. And I'm so glad that God opened my eyes to that and brought me back to seeking him for him, right? Out of a love and awe of who he is. And that's not to say I don't struggle with that still, but we have to constantly remind ourselves of what is even the point of doing all of this.
1: Exactly. I'm right there with you. I think it's really important for us to have a knowing and thinking faith. But like I said, we can't have knowledge without the devotion, without the relationship, right? Yes. I mean, we live in a fallen world. We're sinners. We're prone to um, want to be God in a way. So this is just a journey of sanctification that will never end on earth. We're always going to be fighting against our pride, against Mm -hmm. idols that want to prop up and So when I study God's word, when I engage in theology, when I want to strengthen my theology, I am constantly having to check my heart's motive, like you said. And I think what you said was really potent in that a good kind of barometer that we can have is when we're studying, when we're studying theology, when we're studying God's word we can ask ourselves, is my love for the Lord growing? Mm, Am I delighting in the Lord as I engage in these spiritual disciplines? Because if not, then I need to go back and I need to remind myself, like, why
0: does theology matter? Why are we doing
1: this? And it has to be because we love the Lord.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what a reminder to always be returning to confession, right? Yeah. Whenever we see this pride pop up, whenever we see that we have the wrong motives to come to God and to confess those things to Him, and you know He is faithful and just to forgive us, and Scripture says to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. So we can call on Him to help us to grow in that sanctification, like you were talking about, Stephanie, and to seek Him and find joy in Him. So we do want to say then— What is the right reason, right? Why does theology matter for us? And I know we talked about, you know, seeking God for who he is. And, you know, there are a lot of implications of good theology in our everyday lives. So I want to give you a few reasons why theology really does matter for us, all of us. And one of them is that it changes the way that we see everything, Right? Everything that happens in our lives, whether it's good things or difficult things, whether it's joy or suffering or tragedy or whatever it may be, the way that we view God and who he is changes the way that we view the entire world. Yeah. It gives us a perspective, um, gives us hope when we have a good and right theology. And so that's the first thing is it changes the way we see everything. And secondly, it also changes the way that we react to everything and everyone. You know, if we have a right view of who God is, that's going to change the way that we react to our friends and neighbors and family and enemies, right? It's going to mean that we react in love and not in hate. It's going to mean that. We are recognizing that we are sinful just like our neighbors and we're all desperately in need of God's grace, right? So it's going to change the way that we react to people. It's going to change the way that we react to our situations. And then third, it changes us. And as we seek God, as we seek God in his word, we begin to see God for who he is. And when we behold him for who he is, this is absolutely amazing to me. We are actually transformed into his image. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The first time I read that verse, I was just blown away at the idea that we are actually sharing and going to share in the glory of God and being transformed into his image. And that's what that sanctification is that Stephanie mentioned, that we are growing in holiness, that we are being made righteous and therefore looking more and more like Jesus. And so our theology really, really does matter. Good theology what we believe about God, and what we think that God thinks about everything, that really does matter. Yeah, when you were saying that
1: theology changes the way that we react to everything and everyone, it -hmm. reminded me of motherhood, you know, and a season of raising little people. And, you know, I have a nine-month-old, a three-year-old, and a five-year-old, and Mm -hmm. That my theology matters in how I mother my kids, of yeah. how I view them and how I react to them. And it's just, we want to give our kids, you know, a good upbringing and we want to invest in them. There are little disciples, but like one of the best things we can do is that to make sure that we ourselves have good theology. And that's that's going to be an overflow of that, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. And that's so humbling because I think for those of us who are moms, we probably spend a lot of time like on our computer, on our phones, like Googling all of these ways to raise perfect little children. And we just think that it's so much about like what we can do. And if we step back and realize like, hey, what really matters is that we are seeking to know and love God first and foremost, and that's going to overflow into the way that we raise our kids, even the way that we mess up in front of our kids, right? right. Um, then that's, that's what really matters. It's really humbling to realize, oh, all this stuff that I think that I can do in my own power is not really going to be what's going to cause transformation in my kids. Exactly. Okay.
1: Thinking about all of those different reasons about why, what makes theology matter, why it matters to us. It made me think of the quote, we become what we behold. And mm-hmm. essentially, that is God's will for all of us. We don't have to ask, what, Lord, what is your will? His will is that we would be conformed to the image of Christ, degree by degree, or as you read, from one degree of glory to another. Mm-hmm. I think that's really powerful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we want to share with you a little bit of our personal experience of how we came to love theology. And remember, when we're talking about theology, we are talking about what is true about God, right? What we believe about who God is. It doesn't have to be this scary word that conjures up all these ideas of really difficult terminology. And, you know, we're probably going to talk about some of that terminology here in this podcast, but it doesn't have to be intimidating. We're talking about what do we believe about who God is, And, you know, I think I fell in love with theology for the first time when I was in high school, and I was attending a private Christian high school, and I had to take Bible classes every year. It was part of our required curriculum. In my junior year of high school, I actually took a theology class. It was just called Survey of Theology. And let me tell you, I grew up in the church, but some of this stuff that I was hearing in this class, I had never heard before. And what I realized is that I really thought that I had God figured out. Like I knew kind of like the Sunday school answers. And I thought, well, if you want to know who God is, he's, you know, this and this and this. And that was kind of it. But then I just I saw that there is so much more than I ever realized. And my eyes were open to the fact that God is so big, that he is infinite, and that there is just an infinite amount of truth about who he is, about his character. And I got so excited to learn about it. And, you know, I think that this is the first time in my life that I was really excited to learn, not just because I was excited to get good grades (laughs) or because I was excited to say, oh, I can spout off all this knowledge. It's going to make me look really smart. I was like super into having really good grades as a kid and like super (laughs) into being the smart kid. Right. And so my love of learning in the past had been largely motivated out of just like, Looking really good. And for the first time, I experienced true joy in learning about who God is. And that really changed my life. And from that point on, God just continued to draw me closer to Him. And, you know, He used this mind that He's given me that does seek for knowledge in order to seek for the only kind of knowledge that actually brings true and lasting joy. And that's the knowledge of Him. That's awesome.
1: I think we're really similar in that way Mm. of just being achievers. And I always say that I could, I am a lifelong learner. Like if someone (laughs) would pay me to go to school and get degrees, like I totally would.
0: I have said that so many times i wish i could just be a student for a living <laughs> right why can't it be free
1: mm-hmm. but for me i would say that i was raised in the church but not raised in christ and kind of like you i had all the sunday school answers down i did bible drill as a kid so shout out to bible drill i mean i learned the books <laughs> of the bible i learned the importance and of scripture memory and a lot of those things have stuck with me so i don't think that that was a waste, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Um. And even with our kids, it's an encouragement to me because I can't will my kids to be saved, but I know that the Lord is faithful and he's faithful to his promise that whatever study that we put in the word that we're going to profit from it. So yeah. whatever, you know, when I get my kids to memorize the word, that's even if they don't understand it, that knowledge is going to be there in their hearts. And And the Lord's going to use that, I think, because as a young adult, I realized this. I felt honestly like shackles fell off my eyes. And I was like, oh, my word, Mm -hmm. I have all of this knowledge about God, but I don't know God. Mm, And so that's where that devotion, that relationship part is so important. And for me, it was a balancing act moving forward from from there, because I think there is a benefit of having a, a thinking faith and having an orderly approach to Bible study. I think we all need that, honestly, to grow yeah. in our biblical literacy and stuff. Absolutely. However, we need that love devotion. We need to realize that mm-hmm. when we're approaching the Bible, that it is not a book about us. Like right. The the way that I was tempted to before of, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do for my life? Do you want me to be a doctor or a nurse? Do you want me to go on a mission trip or not? Like I was approaching the Bible and making it about me. Hmm. So that's when I was like that the devotion part came and I realized like I need to approach the Bible as if the Bible is about God because it is about God. So yes. from start to finish, it is about the nature of God and the knowledge of God. so. I need to start there. And that's when the love relationship kind of cultivated. It got nurtured because I realized that as I was learning more about God and pursuing Bible study with the intent of learning more about God, I was falling more in love with him. Mm. Um, And the way that happened, though, was I I didn't discount my academic science-y side. I used that to this benefit in terms of, okay, I am going to discipline myself in the study Mm -hmm. because that is important too. I mean, we can't just be really flippant. I don't think about our Bible study. I think there needs to be a proper approach and a discipline to it. But yeah, so that's a long story short of how my life really is a balancing act of discipline and delight.
0: Yes, I love that. I love that it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? It's not that if we are very disciplined and structured in our study, then we're going to miss the whole point necessarily. And it's not that if we are, you know, delighting in God, then we can't have that discipline, but they go hand in hand. I love that. I think that's so helpful. Um, So, Stephanie, I know that you were talking about, you know, we need to start with God's word and seeing who he is in his word. And so, you know, I think that that is the primary place that we should look for our theology is in the Bible. And can you kind of just expound upon that a little bit about why the Bible is our go-to place to learn about God? Sure. So the Bible is our
1: authority on truth and our authority on who God is. And that is because the Bible is, like I said before, is a book about God. Yeah. And th- when I, when you think about the definition that I used on theology, meaning theology is what we think God thinks about something, then that makes total sense that we would mm-hmm. go to the Bible, his very words, to kind of uncover what, what does God think about these things. yeah. Yeah, so moving forward, we wanted to take a few minutes to go over the four major characteristics of the Bible. And you may have heard it said this way, that the Bible is inspired, inerrant, sufficient, and eternal. But being an army wife and in a world of acronyms, I thought it would be helpful to present the traditional four attributes with an acronym called SCAN. And a lot of um, people do use this, so it's not like I came up with this. Right, yeah. (laughs) But SCAN, so S-C-A-N stands for The Sufficiency of Scripture, The Clarity of Scripture, the authority of Scripture, and the necessity of Scripture. But all of that boils down to God's Word is needed, enough, understandable, and final. But we are going to break this up a little bit individually.
0: Yes, I love the acronym. makes it so easy to remember. So the first thing we want to look at is the S, that Scripture is sufficient. And what this means is that when we look at the Bible, we have the very Word of God, right? The Bible is part of God's special revelation. This is how he reveals who he is specifically in his word. And saying that the Bible is sufficient means that we don't need to look for any more special revelation about who God is. The word of God has Everything that we need to know about him. It has everything that we need for life and for godliness. And 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17 talks about how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So this word of God that we have is able to equip us for every good work. It is, has everything that we need for salvation, to have faith in Jesus Christ. All the information that we need is right here in scripture. Now, let me tell you what this does not mean. This does not mean that we shouldn't seek any knowledge outside of the Bible, right? You don't want your surgeon who's going to be performing brain surgery to use the Bible as their brain surgery (laughs) textbook, right? This is not what we are talking about. But what we are saying is that the knowledge that we gain from scripture about who God is and about what we need to follow him and have faith in him all the knowledge that we need for salvation it is right there in his word we don't have to wait for God to speak out loud to us in order to know what his will is right Stephanie you mentioned this earlier right his will is our sanctification And the Bible has everything that we need for sanctification. And that's what we're talking about with this special revelation, right? God reveals who he is in his word. Um, And so, you know, just a little side note on this books and commentaries can be really great and can be really, really helpful. But Scripture is sufficient. It is the Mm -hmm. ultimate authority that we go to. And there is no substitute for God's word. I think it's important to realize
1: that we can get alone with the word of God. And it is sufficient for our salvation. Like he reveals it to us in his word. But there is benefit in, you know, coming under a the teaching of someone who went to seminary. We're not saying that there's no benefits in seminary right. and pastors don't need to go to seminary and, right. <laughs> and learn in that way. We are saying that you as an ordinary person, a non-seminary student, a pastor, non-pastor can approach the word of God and you can be fed from it directly directly. Mm-hmm. But we are going to move on to C, which stands for clarity. And this simply means, and this builds off of what I was just saying, that the saving message of Jesus is plainly taught in Scripture. And it can be understood by all who have ears to hear. Hmm. So although we don't need anyone to interpret the Bible for us, um, it's helpful at times. Though it's it's helpful to have commentaries, but that shouldn't be our First step when we approach the word, we should go to the word and read it for ourselves. And we're going to talk a little bit about this in a different episode, but I wanted to read Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14 to kind of expound on this idea that the Bible is clear and the message of salvation is clear. And it says, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. So like I said, this doesn't mean that there's no need for formal training. It's just that the central tenets of Scripture are discernible to you and to me, and we aren't in need of an official church interpretation of those very central tenets.
0: Yeah, I had a teacher in high school who would always say, everything essential is clear. Right. God awesome. has made clear what is needed for life and godliness in his word. And we can all go directly to his word and ask him to give us understanding as we read the truth that he has made plain to us. Mm-hmm. Right. So the third letter, the A, is authority. And this is saying, which we mentioned a little bit already. It's kind of hard not to jump around when we talk about these things, <laughs> but it's that God's word is our ultimate and final authority on what is true. And the reason for this is because the Bible is inspired. This word inspired means that it is God breathed. And again, back to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 it says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so this is the very word of God. And God is the final, is the final authority on truth. So his word is the final authority on truth. And because it's God's word, it also means that it is inerrant. And that word means that it is without error in its original manuscripts. So think about this the Bible tells us that God is. Unable to lie. He does not lie to us because it is against his very nature Mm -hmm. to tell a lie. And so, if this is the Word of God and God does not lie to us, we know that everything in this book is true. And so, nothing else, not human experience or church councils or science or catechisms or anything, takes precedence over scripture because his word is what is inerrant. It is what is inspired, and therefore we can trust it. The Bible is trustworthy because God is trustworthy. Absolutely.
1: At the last part of our acronym scan is N, which stands for necessary. And this is saying that There is a general revelation of God, right? You can look around the world and see creation and Mm. see God. But general revelation is not enough to save us. And honestly, our personal experience and human reason can't bring us to a saving knowledge of God. Mm. I liked what Wayne Grudem said about this this particular attribute. He says, this attribute is the idea that the Bible is necessary for knowing the gospel, for maintaining spiritual life, and for knowing God's will, but is not necessary for knowing that God exists or for knowing something about his character and moral laws. So Mm -hmm. we can look at this world and see that God is magnificent. He's big, he's creative because he created a beautiful world, right? Uh But that doesn't mean that we're saved. Uh, It doesn't mean that we have that saving knowledge of Christ and that relationship with Christ. So this is when you might have heard the phrase sola scriptura. And that is just basically saying scripture alone is the supreme authority in Christian thinking and living. The word is eternal. It's never outdated, which is what Joanna was saying earlier. So, and even Jesus says it in Matthew twenty four thirty five. he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away.
0: Ah, oh, yes. And I'm so glad that that is what lasts, right? The word of God. Yeah. Now that was a lot, uh, but a simple recap. The four traditional attributes of the Bible using the acronym SCAN are sufficiency, clarity, authority, and necessity. So the Bible is enough. It is clear, it is final, and it is necessary.
1: So that was kind of heavy. So we wanted to transition into a, okay, you're telling me that I'm a theologian and I want to be a good theologian, but how do I engage in theology? Um, So that's going to be our next topic. Joanna, what would you tell someone who, maybe even as a new believer, and they're like, okay, I'm a theologian. I want to be a good theologian. What should I do? Please tell me.
0: Yeah. So, the thing that I'm going to say, and this probably won't surprise you, but start with the Bible. Right? The Bible reveals who God is. The Bible is about God. So if you are new to studying the Bible, or maybe you've been studying it for a while, but you've just never considered the idea that you are a theologian, I realize that maybe just saying read your Bible might be a little bit overwhelming and seem unhelpful, right? There's so much there. (laughs) Where am I supposed to start? How am I supposed to approach it? Especially these stories that seem kind of strange, That I really don't know what's going on. So here's my first suggestion to you. Choose a book of the Bible and read it from start to finish. Right? A lot of times we're tempted to kind of like open the Bible and pick out a verse and try to understand it completely out of context. But go through a book of the Bible from start to finish and keep one major question in mind as you are reading. What does this book teach me about God? What does this book, what does the Word of God reveal about who He is? Constantly be asking yourself that question. I really like that. I
1: I actually have a pamphlet in my Bible that has these essential questions that I want to ask myself whenever I approach the word. So like exactly what does the Bible have to say about God Hmm. in this particular passage or book of the Bible? What is he like? What has he done? What is he going to do? What pleases him? Who is this God that this passage is, is talking about? So I think. A helpful thing is to have a pamphlet of essential questions. And any time you come, approach the Word, go ahead and read those questions over to kind of have that right frame
0: of mind, I guess, when you go to read. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, if you are totally new to studying scripture, I do want to recommend one resource to you that we have at the Daily Grace Company, and it is our Amen study. And it's the story of scripture from Eden to eternity. And basically what this study does is it gives you an overview of the story of the entire Bible. So this is a great study to do because then no matter what book of the Bible you choose to jump into, you have a foundation for what's going on and a foundation for how to understand it. So we'll put the link to that in our show notes if you'd like to go ahead and work through that amen study with us. Yeah, and just remember that Christ is
1: the goal. We don't want to ever engage in theology to be happier or to be more confident in ourselves or to sound super smart or spiritual. I mean, Jesus is not a means to improve our lives. He Mm. is our very lives. Yeah. So don't ever kind of allow your faith to become this vehicle to get you to greater fulfillment because that's not the point. But along with that, also realize that spiritual growth, it takes effort. There are no shortcuts to growth. Um, R.C. Sproul says, spiritual growth involves effort, the hard work of sanctification. And it's not that we are equal partners with God in our sanctification. He sanctifies us. But we have this role of submitting and disciplining there are these spiritual disciplines that we are called to engage in Um, but always remember it says in philippians 2 13 that it's god who gives us the will to work and he's the one that works according to his good pleasure he's the one that invites us to join in on his work so all of that to say it does require work but don't get discouraged
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the Bible, God's Word, plays a huge role in that sanctification process, that process of growing in holiness by the power of God, right? The power of the Holy Spirit. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16, going back to that verse again, talks about how Scripture is useful for training us in righteousness. And so, yeah, it does take discipline to go to God's Word and to Ask those questions. But when we do that, we gain a greater knowledge of Him. And like we said before, we are transformed into His image. So one thing I wanted to add
1: to that the suggestion of reading a book of the Bible through is Choose a short book of the Bible. You know, we mm, didn't yeah. give you an exact book to start with, but just a recommendation is choose a shorter book of the Bible so that you can read it from beginning to end yeah. in one sitting maybe and, and that you can repetitively read it. There is such a benefit of just sitting down and reading for content and context. You don't yeah. have to have a pencil case of highlighters every time you come to the Word. So just read it. But I will also highly recommend um, setting the goal for yourself. Resolve to read through the word in one calendar year. I know that this statistic has kind of been floating around social media, but it takes about 70 hours to read through the entire Bible. Mm -hmm. I'm a slow reader, so it might take 75 hours. But (laughs) 75 hours, we can afford 75 hours in one calendar year of our lives. And so I wanted to do that. I also had two more suggestions, but before I go on to them, um, Joanna, let's share your suggestions.
0: Yeah, so I would say, you know, like we said before, there is no substitute for God's word, but that doesn't mean that extra biblical resources, right? Resources outside of the Bible, that doesn't mean that those aren't helpful to us as well. So I did want to recommend if you were looking for maybe some books to help you along this journey, I have a few suggestions. So I love Jen Wilkins' books, None Like Him and In His Image. And these books go through 20 attributes of God. The first one is what we call incommunicable attributes, which are attributes that we don't share with God, right? Like that he is all powerful or that he is sovereign. And then the other book in his image are the communicable attributes. Those are things that we can reflect, like God's love, for example. So these are really accessible easy to read, but just packed full of awesome truth resource for you to kind of start on that journey of even learning some terminology if you're interested in that. Um, If you want to maybe get a little bit more scholarly, I have two theology books that I highly recommend. They're both called Systematic Theology, but one is by Wayne Grudem and one is by John Frame. Um, These are great kind of reference books that you can go to um, to kind of learn about God and His attributes and how how Scripture describes Him.
1: Yeah, I was really excited when I saw that you mentioned them.
0: Yes, they're so good. Um, yes. They're huge books, um, but I absolutely love them. Now, one other thing I want to mention, and I can't stress the importance of this enough, is the local church. Um, your local church being involved in Christian community in person is incredibly important. You need to be sitting under the teaching of those in leadership over you, right? Teaching from Your pastors and elders, leaders in your church, you know, having someone in your community to walk alongside of you in your study of scripture, right? In a discipleship role, helping you to navigate those difficult passages, right? Someone that you can talk with and bounce questions off of. We were created to live in community with one another. We weren't made to do this thing on our own. And so being involved in the local church You know, being in relationship and community with wise believers who have been walking this journey of faith is vitally important. And it's the way that God intended it to be. Exactly. Our God is a God of order and he Mm -hmm. wants us
1: to be. We are the church, but there is an order to the church. There is a special role for pastors and elders. Um, So we there. Yeah, I can't emphasize it enough plug into a local church yes. and within that local church, it doesn't even have to be a pastor. Find someone that's a little bit ahead of you, a little bit more mature in their faith and ask them to come alongside you and help you out. I think the scary part is just asking, but you will be so surprised how blessed they feel to have been asked.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And I think the last little suggestion that we wanted to top it off with was pray. Mm. That should be the... First thing you do, I would say, when you approach the word.
0: And the last thing.
1: <laughs> and the last thing, absolutely. So first, James 1 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, repro- and it will be given him. So ask for wisdom. Ask him to incline your hearts to his testimonies. Ask him to satisfy you with his words. Ask him to open your eyes to understand and to behold his word. And then after you read and study. Thank him for his word and, mm. and pray. And one thing that I love to do is praying scripture back to him. A good yeah. way to solidify new knowledge and understanding is to pray those things back to him. Use the, those words. Use those terminologies. And then you could, that's when you'll be able to start communicating it well. And then you could teach someone else. So start by praying what you learn back to the Lord.
0: Yeah, adore him for who he is, right? You're reading scripture and you hear that the Lord is powerful um, or that he is faithful. He has steadfast love. So in your prayer, you can just say back to God, God, you are an amazing God who loves me with a love that is steadfast and does not end, right? And those truths begin to penetrate our hearts. um, And that's just a great way to respond to God's word. Yeah. Yeah. Now, earlier, we kind of alluded to the fact that we need to be careful when we're studying theology of our motives. So I do want to kind of warn you about a few potential pitfalls as we study theology that we want to try to avoid. And the first one, and you know, this one kind of permeates all of the rest, is pride, When we study God's word, when we study who he is, we want to come from a place of humility. It can be so easy to start to learn these things about who God is and just think, I am awesome. I am smarter than all of my friends. I know what my pastor was talking about, and they have no idea. So I am just the best. Right? We do not want to get in that kind of position. One thing that you will start to realize as you seek to know God is that the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Exactly. Our God is infinite. And as soon as we think that we have understood fully who he is and what he's doing and his plans then we really need an ego check, right? We need to be humbled. So, you know, as we are approaching God's word, pray that he would humble you. Pray that he would show you those things about him and about who you are in relation to him, which is really small (laughs) and really limited, and that uh, he would let that be a reason for you to look to him and rejoice in that truth.
1: That's a good point. Don't approach theology and Bible study with this end goal in mind, like I am going to get there mm, and yeah. I am going to know this and I am going to, you know, tick it off my list and and know everything about it. You could spend your entire life studying the Bible and you will never exhaust the riches that are found in his word.
0: Ah, uh, yes, that gives me goosebumps. I know. <laughs> I love that. And I love it. And then sometimes my flesh hates it, right? Exactly. Because I am so one who just wants to know it all. I, I will come right out and say it. I, and that was really evident as I was a kid, like people would probably call me a no at all, but it's just still a tendency that creeps up. And sometimes I just wish I could check off a box and get to a point where I graduate with my knowledge of God.
1: (laughs) I know. I feel the same way. And I was, as I was praying about this podcast, I was like, Lord, who am I? There's so much I need to know and learn and grow. Yeah, You know, that's when we can go in prayer and say, Lord, here I come with my limited finite mind Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: my untrained mind. I'm not a seminary student. I'm not a pastor, but I want to know you and Mm -hmm. I want
0: and he is faithful to meet you there. He is faithful. So, right and we want you to know all of you listeners out there that we are coming to this podcast we are talking with you as one of you right we exactly. don't just have this wealth of knowledge that we are just constantly pulling from left and right we actually do a lot of prep work <laughs> for these podcasts <laughs> yes and we want you to know that hey we are on this journey with you we are humble humans um in looking looking to know our great God. And so we're right there with you. So the second pitfall we want to try and be careful to avoid is Approaching theology in order to earn favor with God, right? This Mm kind of goes along with this pride, but it's this idea of thinking that if we do X, Y, and Z, if we study enough, if we learn enough, then God's going to be pleased with us and that that is the way that we are going to earn His love and His favor. We have to remember that we are all complete and total sinners who Mm were dead in our sin, enemies of God, and it is by the merit of Jesus Christ and his righteousness that we are saved, that we are loved by God, not because of anything that we have done or anything that we can do. So we really need to check ourselves if we think that by doing this, by studying our Bibles, by setting apart a time at you know, six in the morning where we go and read our Bible, that that's going to make God love us more or going to accept us or say that we're doing a good job.
1: And I think that's what makes Christianity distinct from other religions, right? Because Mm. all the other religions, it's they have to earn their God's favor or their idea of God. And so they're working so hard and they're trying to climb up this mountain. But with Christianity, it's Jesus came down, yeah. to, down this metaphorical mountain mm-hmm. and made the way for us. We don't have to, you know, wrestle and fight and make this way up to this holy God. No, he came down and Jesus came down and we can, you know, we can have his righteousness as believers. Yeah, absolutely. You can never add to that.
0: I love, I love that picture of, we're trying to strive and climb up to God. And all these religions are saying, here's what you can do to to be better and to do better. And Christianity is the one where God comes down to us and he rescues us. And isn't that just such a relief <laughs> to know that it's not on our shoulders?
1: It is. but I, But I could see. I could see why... It's easier to be like, I'm earning God's favor. I'm mm-hmm. doing this because that's what culture tells us to do. Like right? do yeah. this, be this way. Um, then you're gonna feel good about yourself. But I mean, that's a whole nother topic about identity. But yeah. <laughs> anyways, we'll leave it there for now.
0: Yeah, in- until another day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we also want to make sure that we are not in our Knowledge of God, using that as an excuse to judge other people, right? Again, these are all wrapped up in pride of saying, okay, I believe this about God and you don't understand it. And so you're not good enough, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, sometimes we can get so caught up in These things that we believe about God that are actually not essential Mm -hmm. points of the faith. And so we allow that to cause us to have disunity with other believers, right? And that's the fourth thing we need to avoid is allowing our theology to divide us as believers, right? We talked about earlier what is essential for our faith. God has made clear. Mm -hmm. And We need to pray that God would keep us from becoming so prideful in what we think that we know, that we allow that to sever relationships or to destroy opportunities that we have to love and encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. But let us be seeking to be unified in the things that are essential to our faith that God has made clear, and that in those things that are non-essentials or are convictions or are just merely opinions, that we would be loving and respectful with one another.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point, there are different levels in theology like you mentioned. There are mm-hmm. essentials, there are convictions, and there are preferences. Yeah. And a preference could be a worship style. Mm. Like don't let that divide you and divide the church. Like we want to stand firm and agree and you know, have covenantal relationships with those that We know we believe in the same essential doctrine or essential theology, right? We share those essentials, beliefs. Right. But it's okay not to agree on every little thing. Just focus on the person, focus on the essential beliefs. There's this thing called essential doctrines of the Christian faith. And then the other stuff is okay. Yeah. Um, I wanted to share one more quote, and this is probably my last quote for this episode.
0: For today. Um, Maybe yeah, more you're next welcome. time. <laughs>
1: right. It's an article from Desiring God, and it and I will include this in the show notes. But it says, Theology will kill you if it does not kindle a deep and abiding love for the God of the Bible, and if it does not inspire a desire for his glory, and not ultimately our own. Oh, that's good. I know. Theology, the study of theology, it is going to be a work of a lifetime, you guys. But let's be like the Apostle Paul who says in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, like it is our life mission. We are longing to know Christ and him crucified. We don't ever want to know much about God yet not really know him.
0: Yeah, I love it. And even that that verse where Paul says, I want to know Christ and Him crucified, he's saying, Hey, this is what my theology is. Right. Not all this extra stuff that's like you were saying, just a preference, right? That's going to divide, but Christ and Him crucified. I love that. All right, well, everyone, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. We are going to be releasing new episodes every Tuesday. So if you haven't yet, please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. And if you are enjoying this podcast, if you are blessed by it in any way, we would love to ask you to leave us a review on iTunes. It'll only take you about a minute. And when you leave a review, it actually helps more people be able to find our show. So if you have been encouraged and you think that someone else might be encouraged by this podcast as well, please go ahead on there and leave a review so that we can have this conversation with more and more women. Yeah. And
1: also be sure to check out The Daily Grace Company at thedailygraceco.com. And as we mentioned, we are going to have show notes for today's episodes and every other episode at dailygracepodcast.com. We are so grateful to have had this conversation with you guys. We hope it was encouraging. And more than anything, we want your hearts to be stirred to seek God in his word.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies.